17, our memory assignment this month is John 17, 13 through 18. That's also our passage for the lesson this morning. So uh, turn with me there in your Bible, and then we will read and or recite this passage, then uh, move through it phrase by phrase uh, this morning and examine it in a little bit of detail. John 17, verses 13 through 18. Here we go. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Uh, all right, John 17, 13 through 18. Uh, it's a great passage of scripture. I love the chapter that it's in. We don't have time to study the entire chapter this morning, but the setting in John 17 is the upper room where Christ is with his disciples. And that scene was set in the 13th chapter of the book of John. And in John 17 is... Uh, what could more technically be called the Lord's Prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We call that the Lord's Prayer. It's probably more the disciples' prayer. It's a model prayer. It's not the prayer Jesus prayed. It's how he's teaching his disciples to pray. But in John 17, Jesus is praying an intercessory prayer. He is praying for his disciples. In fact, look at verse number 9. He states this, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Christ is preparing his disciples for his coming departure. In John 13, he washed their feet and he told them to love one another. In John 14 and 15 and 16, he gave the promise of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would be sent in his name to lead and to guide them into all truth. He said, guys, I'm about to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I will send you the Holy Spirit to be with you and to dwell in you. And in John 17, he continues and he's praying for them that God would do certain things in their lives once he would depart. Now in chapter 18, they leave the upper room and they go into the garden of Gethsemane and there Christ prays again and he's praying for himself in that instance. Uh, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. But in John 17, Christ is praying for his disciples. But look at this. Not only is he praying for his disciples, he's praying for us. Look at verse number 20. John 17, verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone. I'm not just praying for the disciples, but... For them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now, all of us this morning who have believed the gospel, all of us this morning who are saved, we fall into the category of verse number 20. We are those who have believed on Christ through the word of the apostles because in the book of Acts, they're the ones who spread the gospel across the face of the earth. They're the ones who recorded the scriptures that we read and where we learn that Christ died for our sins and was buried 
and rose again. This morning, if you're saved, if you've believed, it's because of the word that the apostles preached and the word that the apostles recorded. So in John 17, Christ is not only praying for the 12 with him, really the 11 with him in the upper room, Christ was praying for you. And we learned Thursday night in his high priestly office, he continues in that ministry to this day. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And what he prays in John 17, uh, John 17 is very significant because it goes a long way in explaining some of the fundamental principles of the Christian life and the purpose of the Christian life. And there are a number of points that we want to bring out of uh, these verses this morning. Six of them, we'll list them and then we'll uh, move through the verses. Look at the top of your sheet on the back of your bulletin. Uh, here's the theme of Christ's prayer. Number one, it is God's desire for the Christian life to be one of joy. It is God's desire for the Christian life to be one of joy. Number two, he has given his word for that purpose. He has given his word for that purpose. Number three, it is God's desire for the Christian to be set apart from the world. It is God's desire for the Christian to be set apart from the world. Point number four, he has given us his word for that purpose. He's given us his word for that purpose. Number five, it is God's desire to make us his witnesses. It is God's desire to make us his witnesses. And point number six, he has given us his spirit for that purpose. He's given us his spirit for that purpose. Now, come back to verse number 13 and let's walk through these verses together this morning. And now come I to thee. This is a reference that Christ is making to his ascension. He's speaking to the Father and soon he would ascend and return to the place from whence he had come. That ascension recorded in Acts chapter 1 in Mark 16 and Luke 24. It's been the topic of discussion in John 14 and 15 and 16. He's preparing his disciples for the time when he leaves. He says, now come I to thee, verse 13, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Okay, so Jesus Christ gave his word to the apostles, but not exclusively to the apostles. He wants his word to go to all of the world. And he said, the reason that I'm giving you my word is I want you to experience the same level of joy that I myself possess, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And happiness and joy are different. Happiness is external. It depends on your circumstances. It depends on the out, what you have on the outside. It depends on what happens. Happiness often depends on what happens, but joy is internal. 
Joy doesn't depend on what you have on the outside. Joy depends on what you have on the inside. Happiness isn't about your happiness is about your circumstances. Joy is about your character. Good morning, Essence. Good morning. All right? And Jesus didn't just say, I want you to be happy. He said, I want you to have my joy. And that's better than happiness. Earl is chasing after happiness. Everybody's trying to live in a way that will make them happy. Everybody wants to uh, just feel good and, and enjoy life. But what Christ has to offer is something that's real, something that's genuine, something that, that you can have no matter what's going on around you, no matter what's taking place in your life. Listen, if you've got God's word in your heart and it dwells in you richly, you can have Christ's joy fulfilled in yourself. That's a great prayer request. I'm glad that's what Jesus wants. I'm glad that's what Jesus is praying for. I've got to stop and ask myself, do I have that level of joy this morning? Have I experienced experienced the answer to Christ's prayer in my life? Do you have joy? You can. Jesus makes it possible. He gave his word that we might have his joy fulfilled ourselves. Look at John 15, 11, a few cross-references. John 15, verse 11, he said a very similar thing. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full fullness of joy, not a little bit of joy, not an every now and then joy, not a come and it goes joy, a fullness of joy. Look at 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, Gospel of John, way back, not not the Gospel of John, the Epistle of John, way back by Revelation, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 4, 1 John 1 and verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Now, come on, is the Bible true or isn't it? Jesus said twice that the purpose of his word was to give you fullness of joy. The the epistle of John says the same things. These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. According to Jesus, according to the Bible... Putting this book into practice in your life will result in complete joy. Either Jesus was telling the truth or he was lying. Either he knew what he was talking about or he didn't. The Bible says God's word is given the express purpose of filling your life with joy. Now, oftentimes your flesh will say something different, but it's lying. The world will try to convince you otherwise, but they don't know what they're talking about. God's word properly understood, properly followed, properly obeyed. It's not going to sap the fun out of your life. It's not going to make you a miserable, melancholy stick in the mud. It will put something inside of you that will enable you to enjoy life to the fullest. Look at chapter 2 of 1 John 
the, the epistle of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So 1 John 1, 4 said, I'm, I'm going to write these things so you can have fullness of joy. In chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I'm going to write these things so that you don't sin. And when we put those two together, here's what we get. The way to maximize the joy in your life is to minimize the sin in your life. The sin that the flesh and the world tries to convince you will actually make you happy is what is going to sap your life of real, true, lasting joy. And if we'll believe God's word and if we'll follow God's word... Life can be crumbling all around you, and at some point it's going to. But you can still have hope. You can still have peace. You can still have a smile on your face. You can still be okay deep down in your heart. Listen, man is born into troubles, the sparks fly upward. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You're going to have problems. It makes you human. If you walk on this sin-cursed earth, surrounded by sinful people, being a sinner yourself, this life is going to disappoint you. People are going to disappoint you. You're going to have hard days and difficult days and trying days, and you can still have joy in spite of all of that. You can still have joy in the middle of all of that. You can still have joy even when everything doesn't go your way. And that's going to be the majority of the time. Right? Jesus said, if you'll follow my word, you'll experience the same kind of joy that I have. Oh, that God would give us a heart to really believe that this morning. Do you want that kind of joy? Do you want that? kind of life. Are you convinced that Jesus spoke the truth when he made that promise? That's what he prayed. That's what he asked for on our behalf. Jeremiah 15, 16, don't turn. It says, thy words were found and I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. The way to maximize joy is to minimize sin. The way to minimize sin is to fill your heart with God's Word. It, it shouldn't just be something we open up when we come to church on Sunday morning. It needs to be a part of our daily life. And the, the, results, the results are something worth going after. Verses 14 through 17 we'll consider together. They give us our next two points. Verse number 14, I, I've given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is very interesting. Okay, If you are saved, if you're born again, if you've believed the gospel, you are going to heaven when you die. That is a blessing. That is a wonderful hope. It is, it is great to know that you have eternal life. But it is obvious that that is not the the sole purpose for which Christ saved you. Because if being saved was just about going to heaven, then it seems as if God would have taken you there the moment you trusted his son. But he didn't. And here's why he didn't. Jesus asked him not to. Did you see that? 
In verse number 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Christ asked his Father to keep us here. I pray not thou shouldest keep them, uh, take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Verses 14 and 16 make the same statement. The fact that it's doubled in that short of a space makes it seem as if, as if it's very significant. It's very important. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So what we say is that Christians are in the world, but not of the world. We're in the world because Jesus asked the Father to leave us here. We Separation is not isolation, okay? The Christian life is not one where you're supposed to find a mountain somewhere and go be a hermit so that you don't have to rub shoulders with sinful people, right? 1 Corinthians 5, God is giving us some instructions as to Christian fellowship. And there are some people who, if they claim the name of Christ, but they have these particular sins in their lives, we're not to keep company with them. We're to exclude them from membership in a Christian church. But he makes the point in that passage, he says, listen, I'm, I'm not saying this about people in the world. Then you must needs go out of the world. You can't help doing business with sinful people, wicked people who do dirty things. You, you've got to go to school and you've got to work a job and you've got to transact business and you've got to buy groceries. And you've got to You've got to drive down the road. There's only so much that you can keep yourself from being exposed to, right? So biblical separation is not isolation. We're not going out of the world. We're not building a compound and putting up walls, and it's just, a, you understand. But Jesus did say we're not of the world. Different father, different destination, different Reason for living, different purpose, different calling, different mindset, different approach. And what all of that means, turn to John 15, 19. He's, he says it again, John 15, verse number 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. All right, so, so you... If, if you follow Jesus Christ and you live by the Bible, here's what Jesus said you can expect. You can expect to have joy and you can expect not to be loved and accepted and appreciated by the world in which you live. You cannot expect to follow Jesus and fit in. Because he was not of the world. And the world hated him and rejected him and crucified him. And so there, there, there are so many Christians who want to ride the fence and play on both teams and have one foot in church and one fit, foot in the world and want to follow Jesus and want to be cool, whatever that means and want to please the Lord, and want to please the crowd, and want to do what's right, but really just want to fit in and be liked and be accepted. And Jesus said, look, it's not possible. 
We need to recalibrate our expectations. He's not of the world. If we're going to follow him, we can't be of the world. We're, we're going to have to stay here. And the reason why is going to become apparent later on in the prayer. But what Jesus did pray was that we would be kept from the evil that is in the world. Okay, Set apart, separated, sanctified is what God wants and what Jesus is praying for. And it's, it's not mutually exclusive with the joy that we just talked about. Notice these two things go together. Being set apart from the world doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. Being set apart from the world is part of having real joy in this life. But here's what Jesus said, verse 17, sanctify them through, what does that mean? It means to set apart, to make them different. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And this is a very important point. We made the point number four above. He has given us his word for this purpose. How is it that I am to be set apart from the world? How is it that I am to be sanctified? How is it that I am supposed to be different? Here's what I need to do to be different in the way God wants me to be different. I just need to follow the truth of the Scripture. I just need to make my decisions, what I will do, what I won't do, what I will wear, what I won't wear, where I will go, where I won't go, what I will watch, what I won't watch, what I will listen to, what I won't listen to, who I'll associate with, who I won't. All of those decisions I need to make based on what the Bible says. All right? Because you got to understand this morning, it's possible to be different and it's possibly weird without being sanctified. Okay? The Amish, right? They're different. They are set apart from the world. Does that make them godly? It It just makes them different, right? Listen, Muslims oftentimes are way more modest than Christians. Does that make them godly? Does that make them close to Jesus? It doesn't, okay? So you you can have this this standard and you can have this set-apart lifestyle, but the kind that Jesus wants us to have is the kind that he defined in the scripture, the point of comparison has to be the Bible, not the world, okay? So we're not saying, where is the world? I'm going to be different than that. We're saying, where is the Bible? I just want to line up with that. Let me try to explain this. Here's why this is so important. If we just say, where is the world? I'm going to make sure I'm not there. That's problematic because where the world is is always moving. You guys aren't very old, but you've already seen this in your lifetime. The the, the rapid pace of the change in our society, where the world's line is, is different today than it was just five years ago. Five years ago, you would not imagine some of the things taking place and some of the pressure being put on people in the world to change their gender and All of those things, I mean, you don't have to go very far back for all of that to be very different. 
All right, so if I'm just going to say where is the world, I'm going to make sure I'm more conservative than the world is, you've got a problem. Because the world is always shifting, right? And so let's say today, 2023, I'm not as wicked as the world. They're here, but I'm there. Well, yeah, but 10 years ago, the world's line was way back here. So if you're just making sure you're one or two steps behind the world, well, you're you're just getting farther and farther away from the word of God that they are leaving and rejecting. Does that make sense? It's not enough to just be different from the world. What we've got to do is see what does the Bible say? I'm going to live by that, and I promise you that will make you different. That will set you apart. That's what Jesus is looking for. Let's run a couple of these references. Come to Psalm 119. This is the way to be the peculiar people the New Testament describes. It's not to try to look at the world and see where they are and make sure. It's to look at the Bible and make sure you're there. That will make you plenty different. Psalm 119. In verse number 9, Psalm 119, in verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. To be sanctified, to be set apart, to be clean, to be pure, to be holy. How's that going to take place? Take heed according to God's word. Word. Look at John 15 and verse number 3. John 15 and verse 3. A lot of comparisons between John 15 and John 17. And John 15, 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Don't turn. Ephesians 5.26 speaks of the washing of water by the word. The way in which Christ would purify and sanctify and cleanse his bride, which is the church. Verse number 18. Last two points. Verse number 18 of John 17. And the passage really builds to this point. Why is it that Christ wants us to have fullness of joy, and why is it that he wants to leave us here but set us apart? Verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Here's why Jesus asked the Father to leave us here, so that we could go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so that we could go and teach all nations beginning at Jerusalem so that we could baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them to observe whatsoever things he has commanded so we could be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Listen, the purpose of the Christian life is to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the means that God has chosen to save sinners is the gospel. And Romans 10 gives the progression. 
How are they going to believe the gospel if they don't hear the gospel? And how are they going to hear the gospel if we don't tell them the gospel? How are we going to preach unless we're sent? But Christ sent us. He called all of us. He has given us this purpose for life as a saved, born-again child of God. The reason that you are here is to let others know how they can know Jesus Christ. To let others know how their sins can be forgiven. To let others know how they can have eternal life. Jesus said, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. It's not my job to to, to argue for why God chose to do it this way. He could have chosen any means that he wanted to to make the gospel known. But this is what he chose to do. He, Jesus chose to go back to heaven, give us his Holy Spirit, and then send us to be his witnesses. That's what he chose to do. That's the method that he has established. It's, it's our responsibility to embrace it. It's our responsibility to carry it out, to be, 2 Corinthians 5.20, his ambassadors. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone from a different place representing their country in another place. Listen, heaven's our home. This world is not our home. We, we, we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We're ambassadors for God. And it's interesting when we keep the verse in its context because the joy of verse 13 and the sanctification of verses 14 through 17 are essential aspects of the mission of verse 18. You see, the modern mindset is very anti-biblical because the modern approach is in order to reach the world, we've got to make the world feel comfortable. In order to reach the world, we've got to be enough like them to where they like us and they accept us, and then we can tell them about Jesus. Here's what Jesus said about it. I want you to be set apart from the world by being sanctified through the truth so that I can send you to be my witnesses. And verse number 18 begins with the word as. As thou hast sent me to the world. In the same manner. In the same way. And when we examine these cross-references, which we'll just have to review quickly because we're out of time this morning, let me read to you John 8, 29. We, we, we understand the meaning of this, the significance of this. John 8, John 8, 29. He that sent me is with me. The Bible says, He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Here's what Jesus said. I came here, but I'm not by myself. The Father who sent me is with me. In Acts 10, verse 38, the Bible speaks of Jesus being anointed with the Holy Ghost. Okay? So how, how are we sent into the world in the same way that Jesus was sent in the world? Well, the one that sent us is also with us. In Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, 
even in the world. So the Father sent Jesus. The Father was with Jesus. Jesus sent us, but he is with us today. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. How was Jesus sent into the world? With the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And how is it that we're sent into the world? With the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. We're not on our own. The boldness that we need, it comes from Jesus Christ. The power that we need, the wisdom that we need, the compassion that we need. We have it all in the indwelling spirit of God that Christ promised in John 14 and John 15 and John 16. In the same way Christ was sent, that's the same way that we're sent. He wasn't alone. We're not alone. We need to embrace that calling and that purpose. So that's what Jesus was praying for, not just for the 12, but for us as well. He wants you to have joy. It only comes through his word. He wants you to be different as defined by his word. And then he wants to send us to make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Uh, Lord, thank you that this is what you want for our lives. I pray that we would want for our lives what you want for our lives. Uh, Lord, make us your witnesses, your ambassadors. Help us this week to find somebody that we can tell uh, the good news about your son and his saving grace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.